I mean, my hope is that you're as happy to be here as I am, and if you're not, that's okay. Maybe by the end of it, you will be. But oh, I can take this off. Man, was that encouraging, that worship this morning, eh? Yeah. I love it when, uh, when we sing about things that confirm... I mean, we're going to be going through God's word and something that hopefully he has to speak to us this morning. But when things we're hearing in worship just kind of confirm what we're going to be talking about, that's encouraging. And so we're talking uh, this morning and the title is Now What? And everyone's like, yeah, now what? And so recently we've been going through and we finished a series called The Shift where we were going through these ideas through COVID that we had that we feel like a shift is necessary in our lives. Would you agree with that? That's what we've been doing. And then in that, we came to a place where we're like, okay, how do we hear from God about these things that need to shift? And we talked about discernment, and Klaus talked about the prophetic last week. And so as we were kind of mulling over where to go next, we stopped for a second, and I think it was in the context of when we discussed formation specifically, but in community groups, we were hearing things about how people were doing. And a lot of us were expressing this idea that we feel a little stuck We feel a little stagnant. We feel like we're not sure what to do. We don't know what it means to follow Jesus entirely. We're trying to figure that out. So now what? And so in listening to kind of some of that feedback, we decided we wanted to connect kind of the big picture idea of what we are as a church, what we are as a group of people, a community that's following Jesus and what we are as individuals to the practical. So we wanted to take, this is going to be about, I think, a two-part series where we're wanting to connect the big picture idea of what we're about here at Anchor Point with the practical. Does that sound good? Yeah. I hope so, because it sounds good to me. So you can go to that next slide. So what we have, we have these circles. What are these circles? The values. (laughs) It's values. Does anyone remember these? When we talked about the vision 2020, God's rule, God's people, God's place, God's way. Anybody? Okay, so what are these? Can someone tell me what they are? They're circles, okay. That's good. Here's another question. Oh, yeah, Isaiah. Four circles, even better. So we're, I mean, obviously you guys are still trying to figure out what they are, but what are they supposed to do? Intersect, okay. What are they supposed to do for us individually? Shape us. Ah, I like that. I think, so if you go to the next slide, we have our four values. Wait, don't go, oh, no, sorry, I missed it. I was going to try to test you, but I was, it's good that this, this slide came up. It was meant to happen. So these are our four values. Gospel, identity, community, renewal. And Elizabeth so well put that she said they need to shape us. And that's kind of the gist of what we're going to talk about this morning. But before we rightly understand, I think, why values matter, there's a deeper, more foundational thought there that helps, that forms what we choose to value. And that is the question of what is good. Okay, what is good? So sometimes you hear about it stated in ideas like what the good life is. So Plato Thousands of years ago and philosophers before him wanted to understand what is good. What is the good life? You hear that in the idea of the American dream. Okay. It's all trying to define what this good is that we're all seeking. I don't even know what the Canadian version of it is. We can call it the Canadian dream. But let's try a little exercise here. If I said to you, what do you think the Canadian dream is? 
You don't have to answer that, but what floods into your head? So you think of what is the Canadian dream? Just think about that for a second. And now if I asked you, what is Jesus's dream? What would you say to that? Would you feel as confident about your idea of what the Canadian dream is versus what Jesus's dream is? As you're pondering that in your head, what has been influencing your thought process in your life? And so we're going to open up God's word, which is always a great place to start. And we're going to go to the beginning. So if you have your Bibles there, we're going to go to Genesis 3, verses 1 to 5. Genesis 3, verses 1 to 5. And I didn't use that little thing to... Oh, I got that. Okay, you guys turn there. Oh, it's up there. Perfect. I'm going to read it from my Bible. You guys can read along up there, or you can read it in your own Bible. And so Genesis 3, 1 to 5 says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So it's this idea, knowing good and evil. And in that, that second, that, that, that we call it the fall, where we decided to take what we wanted to, to define for ourselves what good and evil was apart from God's definition, what has happened from that, sin has impressed on us a need to define that. What is good? So we have this intrinsic need imprinted on our hearts from sin to define good and evil for ourselves. You guys with me? Is that making sense? Okay. And so our desire to define what is good is achieved by seeking out these ideas or concepts about what can bring us good in this life. And to simplify that, we'll so that we can have a common language, we'll call them values, okay? So we talked about values early on. We'll, we'll talk about these ideas or concepts that help us grab a hold of this what is good as values, okay? Across the board. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. And so we can turn anything into a value. Would you agree? Sure. So think of, someone shout out a value that our culture here in Canada dictates is something that we should, that would bring us good. Someone say something. Money. Money. What was that, Isaiah? Wood. Wood. Good. Any other ones? Going to the cottage in the summer. Going to the cottage in the summer. Authenticity. Okay. Talent. Talent. Pleasure. Quality. Quality. What's another value? A couple more people. Inclusion. Inclusion. Nice. Diversity. Diversity. Nice. So these are all, and I, I think the list is pretty much inexhaustible. But these are all things that we start to develop in ourselves to grab a hold of what the good can be. Okay? So if you want to throw to that next slide there, Hannah. I did this little chart because sometimes, I mean, is it a flow chart? Maybe it's a flow chart. Maybe this is helpful for some of us. But in each of us, we have this burning question, what is good? Okay? And from there, we start to develop these ideas of what can bring me good? Is it money? Is it relationship? Is it family? Is it all these things? We start to develop an idea of what good can be for us. And from there, from what we start to value, we have, we, 
We act out those values. So we live out our values in hope of experiencing what is good. And at, through our actions, we, there's an outcome, obviously, and that either reinforces or discourages those values. And there's a loop there. So as we're testing out those things, right, we start to say, okay, I think this is good. I'm going to pursue it. Or I don't think this is good. And okay, so what can be good for me? And it's kind of like a circular loop there. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. A little bit? And if it doesn't, we can talk about it after too. But these, this idea, it constantly shifts and changes throughout our lives. Okay, So what I value when I was 10 years old is not necessarily what I value right now. I have foundational values of I love my family. I have lesser values of I like to wear track pants. You with me? So there's, there's a... I love Tom. Thomas had a good little... So there's in each of our lives, okay, we have it's like a it's it's like an onion, right? We have foundational things that we think it's like onions, and from there, smaller and smaller values that are hopefully answering this question of what is good. But coming back to the question of what are values supposed to do for us, they shape us. That's beautiful. That's what I have. They shape our action, and so we do not act without a value that precedes the action. And so on this next slide, this looks, oh, there you go. This looks really simple, and I don't wanna overemphasize this, but there's this profound idea here in what we're valuing and the actions that come out of what we value. And this is something that's been really stirring in my heart for, for a bunch of years now, but this idea that is, it's actually impossible for me to act detached from a value I hold, okay? All of the actions of our lives are inseparable from the values that precede them. And so when we come back to that original question of now what, and how we're experiencing all these things of being stuck, of being stagnant, of not knowing what to do, there's a reason for that, okay? There's a reason for that. We're gonna try to get to that as we talk about through we go through these next two weeks and so we don't act in isolation from what we truly value okay i'm going to say that again we do not act in isolation from what we truly value and this isn't just a josh idea like we see this in scripture jesus said in matthew 7 you will know a tree by its what okay so think of that for a second if i look at a tree the purpose of a tree is not for me to just look at it and say that's a Jesus tree. That's a devil tree. Something's ridiculous like that, right? What, a, tree, a tree produces fruit. What's the point of the fruit? To feed you. Interesting. What does food give you? Nutrition, sustenance. Okay, so there's this idea. I, and I was thinking about this. In my own life, this is what I've done, I think, sometimes. In the middle of the night on my own tree, I've gone and got a Jesus stamp, and I started to put Jesus stamps all over the fruit on my tree to hope that people would believe that it's a Jesus tree. But in my life, when some people have come and eaten that fruit, it hasn't tasted that good. So we can have this appearance of fruit that looks like Jesus, but is it offering nourishment? Is it, is it satisfied? Is it giving life? And I think that's a real interesting idea as we think about the fruit in our own lives when we've been tasting that fruit. And I, I mean, maybe this is a bad idea, a bad example, but I think it's good because when we're tasting that fruit, what, what is the fruit doing? 
And so as followers of Jesus, we are claiming two important things, and they're really important to differentiate, and these are two of them. What we have tried to define as good has left us tired, stressed, anxious, unfulfilled, confused, the list goes on. So we're declaring that, okay, Jesus, what we're trying to define as good is not actually bringing us what is good. And the second was that we are choosing to trust Jesus' definition of what good is. And so, when Jesus started his earthly ministry, what was the first thing he said to people, if you guys can remember? Someone, someone tell me, what, not you, Doug, what was, what was the first thing that Jesus told people? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. What, what does that mean? Someone, can someone tell me what repent means? Turn and go the other way. So what are we turning away from? Evil, okay. We're turning away from something. We're turning away from what we've chosen to define as what is good, and we're turning to Jesus. And what is, what is God's kingdom? Can someone give me a, try to give me a, a, a short description of what they think God's kingdom is? His best. His best? Come on, people. What is God's kingdom? Someone throw something out to me. No pressure. Fullness. Fullness. Love it. Him with us. Him with us. My definition would be the place where Jesus rules and reigns. Okay? So there's this idea. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at near. Turn away from the things that you have defined as good. Turn to me. Submit to me. Give everything to me so I can define it for you. Romans 12. It talks about, we talk about this scripture quite often, but it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So what, what, why do our minds need renewing? Because we, do you, are you following my trend here? We're, we need renewing because we've been defining what is good on our own. On our own. And so as a church, we've come up with four core values, and they're not up there this time. Ha ha! What are the what are our four values, guys? Gospel, identity, renewal, community. Community. Nice. Did everyone hear them? Gospel, identity community, renewal. And so as a church, right, our hope and desire is that these are the values that are what start and continue to shape our actions as people and move us, as we talked about originally in the shift, move us away from ourselves and towards God. And so before Tom comes up and takes over for the second part of this little tag team preach, there's this quote that I think is really helpful as we think through this process, and I kind of tinkered with it a bit, so forgive me, but I think I hope it's helpful for us this morning. And so I'll read it to us. When we think of values as absolutes, it's either I am practicing community or I'm not. It's either I know the gospel and want to share it, or I don't get it at all and would never mention Jesus' name to anyone. But when we think of the change process, it's from isolation to intimacy. It's from stagnation to mission. We are each and all on a trajectory from where we want, where we are, to where we will be. Our values rightly orient us on the roadmap. But the process heads out on, an, on the actual long, long journey in the right direction. The key to getting the long view of sanctification, which is 
in, in simple terms, becoming like Jesus, is to understand direction. What matters most is not the distance you've covered, it's not the speed you're going, it's not how long you've been a Christian, it's the direction you're heading. And so, me trying to kind of bring out big picture and bring it into kind of the practical, if I could summarize that in a sense, I would say our values rightly orient us in the direction of Jesus. And our discipleship to him and to one another guide us in the moment-by-moment actions on the long journey in his direction. I'm going to read that one more time because I think it's important. Our values rightly orient us in the direction of Jesus. And our discipleship to him and with one another guide us in the moment-by-moment actions on the long journey in his direction. Tom, you want to come up, my man? Guys, how are you? Good. So my goal today, guys, is to connect uh, what Josh just talked about with our discipleship uh, goals that we've been talking about in the shift. Uh, I want to share a question that I sense the Spirit is asking us today. And I want to leave us with enough time for some Q&A before we move into communion, okay? Yeah, man. Sound good? Yeah. All right, so what I want to talk about is two things. I want to talk about orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Hot topics. Who's into that kind of stuff? Yeah. All right. So orthodoxy, guys, is made up of two words, one of which uh, is the, the word we get, or where we get the word orthodontist. Anybody else got crooked teeth? I need some orthodoxy up in my, my teeth happening. But what, what orthodoxy means is it's actually to make something straight. And the Greek word that it's paired with is this word doxa, which means glory or worship. So orthodoxy, orthodoxy is doctrine that lines itself up with scripture, is designed to be a blessing to everyday life, and at the same time to bless God and life itself. So it aims at true godliness that is true humanness. That sounds pretty appealing, yeah? How do we live a life that is, is right and straight and also brings glory to God and it, it, designs, it is designed to be a blessing to us in all of life? We want some of that. And so what I'm going to talk about is how those values are our best attempt to summarize the whole story of Scripture. And that kind of orients us and ground us in an orthodox faith. And from that, how that influences our, our right action or our orthopraxy. Okay? So I'm going to do a brief summary of our four values. And this, this first one, the gospel, is one, guys, that cascades into everything we're talking about here, everything we're trying to do, everything we're setting out to do. Our vision really is just for the gospel to shape and form all that we're doing. The gospel is simply this, the good news that God, our Father, the Creator, out of His undying love for us has come to rescue us from sin, Satan, hell, and death, and to renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf, to establish His kingdom in and through His people in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is the gospel. What the gospel does, guys, is it presents us an alternative story that connects everything together. All of a sudden, we're able to answer, who am I? What am I here for? What went wrong? How can it be fixed? And what it does is it roots us and grounds us in God's reality. Because like Josh was saying, we're, we're pulled into alternate stories, other realities that eventually will leave us burnt out, tired, questioning everything, disillusioned, and just not a healthy human being. So the the invitation of Jesus to repent and believe the good news is one where we're surrendering to a new king and to his set of values. 
So what we're saying in that, simply put, is, is we talked about this. We're, we're orienting our life no longer around ourselves, but around God and his way, around his definition of what is good and what is beneficial, what is pleasing to him. And it goes on. That's not the end of the good news. The good news continues and it reshapes and reforms who we are as individuals, as people. You see, the good news is this. We've been adopted into the household of God. Amen. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And so this is the way that God, like Josh was asking, what's Jesus's dream? His dream is to have have a family. And that includes you and I. So this is the way that God has chosen to relate to us as sons and daughters, not as slaves, not as people who just go do what he tells them to do, but as sons and daughters who are partnering with him in the renewal of all things. And this is an absolute direct result of the work of Jesus on our behalf. We do not earn our sonship or our daughtership. We have been gifted it through the work of Jesus. Okay? It goes on. So, okay, there's this good news. We've been saved and rescued. We've been given a new identity. But we also get to live that out together as a community. You see, we are made in the image of a relational God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have existed from before the foundation of the world and will exist on into eternity as a relational God. God is not in isolation. And what God has done is he's placed us as his sons and daughters into a family. A family that is not just you know, exactly like you. I just got back from a visit from my family. We all look weirdly alike. It's very strange. But a family that's made up of every tribe, nation, and tongue and reflects God in unique and specific and in beautiful ways. Okay, and this goes out into what we do. We, we are on this mission of partnering with God in what he's up to. He's in the work and the business of renewal. A- Amy was singing about that this morning, about how he's making us new even this morning as, as he's ministering to us, as we're singing and receiving from him. You see, God is working to reunite heaven and earth once again and to fill the whole earth with his presence. What sin has, has torn apart, God wants to make whole again. And our shared work is to partner with God in his mission to reunite heaven and earth. So those are, the, those are the things we want to think rightly about, guys. The gospel, identity, community, and renewal. But here's the reality. It's not enough to just know the right things. We have to actually live the right things. Amen? Where's my Bible? It's okay. I can pull up my app here. Technology, am I right? All right. I'm going to read from James 2. This is from our our reading plan this week, actually. You see that faith was... Hold on. Where am I here? Here we go. Verse 22 of chapter 1. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So how do we connect right thinking, orthodoxy, and right living, orthopraxy? See, orthopraxy literally means right or straight practice. And what this does is this connects right thinking in everyday life. 
And this is one of our real heart driving passions, guys, is that we live this stuff out in everyday life. Okay. We don't want to just have the right set of beliefs and like be able to check the right boxes or fill out on our Facebook that we are a Christian. We want to be people who are living differently from the world around us. We want to connect the good news of the gospel to how we do everything. So, for example, what's the point of knowing the doctrine of salvation if I'm not able to forgive the person that's hurt me? What's the point of arguing the details of creation if I'm not making time to listen to my kids and learn their hopes and dreams? Or just shut up and listen to my neighbor talk about whatever he wants to talk about? So how do we do theology? How, do we, how does this get into our bones and into our bodies? How do we embody what we believe? We reorient our lives around God and not ourselves, And we seek to live with these three goals in mind. This is just a summary, guys, of what we've been talking about. The first goal for us, the, the first movement, Josh, Josh was talking about how we're moving, actually. That's what this is about. The direction we're heading is we're coming out of isolation and we're coming into intimacy with this goal of being with Jesus. You see, this is, this is an idea that's rooted in God himself. God is Father, Son, and Spirit. God has existed in intimacy from before the foundation of the world and on into eternity. And in that space, the Father's not hiding anything from the Son. And the Son's not hiding anything from the Father. They both are fully known and are being known by one another completely and fully. And so we want to model that and practice that as individuals here. We want to know and be known by the Father and his family. This looks like things like confessing our sin to one another, like we did this morning. It looks like sharing meals and having fun. It looks like getting up early and just sitting still with God, even though your mind is racing and you're thinking about a million other things. You're making the effort and time to just be with God. The next thing we do is we reorient our life around this goal of being formed by Jesus or becoming like Jesus because we realize that our own definition of good and evil has left us broken, has left us battered, and has left us in need of massive repair. And so like Josh was saying, we have, we have this temptation of kind of trying to label things as good that aren't actually good in our own lives. That we're disintegrated and God actually wants to form us into the image of Jesus. He wants to take us from a fractured and broken person and make us whole. And so part of the gospel and the good news is that we've been extended this invitation to learn from Jesus himself how to be a human being. And I, for one, need help with learning how to be a human being. This looks like things like reading the scripture, being open to correction in in the context of community and just generally just being open and actively engaging in the spiritual disciplines and also making space for God's spirit to shape us and form us. Remember, formation is both active and passive. And finally, what, what are we supposed to do as we're, as we're being with Jesus, as we're becoming like him? There's this amazing challenge and charge for us to actually do what Jesus did. We're actually called to be on mission. And this is simply put that we're called to partner with the Holy Spirit in the church in the renewal of all things. We're, we're supposed to be able to come into the place of being able to be still before God, to be formed into the image of God, where we're actually going to have time and space to hear, say, a prophetic word for our neighbor. Or we're going to feel charged to go and pray for someone who's sick and they're going to be healed. This is what God is calling us to do. Where we're able to embody our theology and our orthodoxy, and that, which would lead into orthopraxy. And all of this, guys, is not for the sake of yourself. This is not so that you can be the best version of yourself and so you can just take on this new idea of self-care. But this is all for the sake of others, that our spiritual formation is so that we can be a blessing to those around us. 
And so in summary, guys, I want to I want to end here. I want to be as gentle and I want to share that this is this is a question that I've been wrestling with the last year, couple years. And it comes from our scripture that uh, we read in the very beginning where Jesus asked this question. And it's a very revealing question and it requires a certain amount of vulnerability if we're to answer it honestly. As we've been thinking about, okay, I'm stuck. What do I do next? I want you guys to sit with this question this week. And then next week, we're going to talk about how to answer this. It's this. What do you want? What do you want? Do you want to surrender your life to Jesus? Or do you want to just label? I love that picture, Josh. Label the fruit of your life with a Jesus sticker. Do you want to fully surrender to him? Like we were singing this morning, all my love, all my love, all my heart, all my soul, all I own. Is that where you're at? Here's the truth, guys, that there is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. All the stuff we've been talking about, about, you know, intimacy and formation and mission, all that stuff. Being a disciple, taking that seriously is the answer to the questions that you have, I guarantee you. But the good news is this, there is a gracious, loving God waiting there for you with arms open, asking you this question, what, what do you want? And I want to read uh, Matthew 11, just in, in closing here, and then I'm going to pray, and uh, we'll see what's next, okay? So I want you to sit with that question, what do you want? As we're asking the bigger question, now what, what, what do you want? Do you want to take this seriously? Do you want to be a disciple of Jesus? Jesus says these words in in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely. And lightly. So Jesus, we we want to take these words seriously. We want to take the question that you posed to those disciples in John 1 seriously this morning. What do we want, Lord? Would you would you grant us clarity and courage to be honest with ourselves and with you? Holy Spirit, would you reveal to us just the majesty and magnitude of who Jesus is? And what he's inviting us into as his followers. Lord, where things have become cloudy or we've become stuck, I just ask that you would loose whatever is keeping us there. That we would be a, a community of people that are collectively saying, yes, we want Jesus and we want your kingdom to come in Allison as it is in heaven. Whatever it, co- whatever it costs, whatever it takes, I want to do that. I want to be there. So, Lord, grant us courage, grant us wisdom, grant us um, boldness, Lord, just to say yes to your invitation to us. Thank you, Lord, that your way is better than our way. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and your ways are better than our ways. We yield to you, Lord. We trust you. And just ask your kingdom to come and your will to be done in Anchor Point Church as it is in heaven. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.